You're listening to Berlin Psychoanalytic Podcast. Psychoanalytic Psychosomatics with Professor Dr. Gamse Ostermers. Hello, I'm Gamze Ostermers from Bashkent University and a visiting professor at International Psychoanalytic University Berlin. Today I would like to talk about some concepts regarding psychosomatics, the theory. And of course, it starts with Freud, as everything starts with Freud in psychoanalysis. And first of all, I would like to remind you the patients who came to visit Freud in his office. Uh, these patients whom Freud treated during his early years in private practice had initially sought medical advice because they were suffering from physical symptoms, they had enlisted the help of a physician for no other reason than that they believed themselves to be ill. So among their symptoms were uh, headaches, muscular pain, tics, uh, gastric pain, vomiting, clonic spasms, putty mal, epileptoid convulsions, and a host of other physical reactions. So, and it is no surprise that first papers published by Freud were kind of neurological papers like uh, on aphasia or of course his work with Breuillage uh, studies on hysteria. So if we remember the first uh, or maybe not the first but the most mentioned patient of Breuillard and Freud, uh, Freud's Anna O, Anna O's symptoms were paralysis, for example, right arm and leg, involuntary eye movements, lethargy, and language difficulties. So this was the typical patient uh, whom uh, came to visit Freud in his office. And Freud had this notion of two different uh, theories about psychosomatic uh, symptoms. The first is uh, psychoneurosis, the conversion, hyster hysteria, and the other being the anxiety equivalent or actual neurosis. First of all, Freud's first model of psychosomatics. In this first model, there is conversion hysteria. Freud proposed that his patients had maintained psychic health until a point at which an event, idea or sensation awakened in the ego, such painful feelings that the individual has compelled to forget for want, to, want of alternate capabilities with respect to resolving internal contradictions or conflicts. And in his second model, Freud understood somatic symptom formation as an organic anxiety equivalent. On his way toward developing this latter model, he observed that disturbances of bodily functions, such as respiration, often accompany mask or even substitute altogether for anxiety, and in contrast to the anxiety of the hysteric, the analysis of such anxiety fails to uncover a repressed idea. He says, here in the case of anxiety neurosis or actual neurosis, 
The somatic symptom results from physical sensations that have been denied access to the psychic apparatus, sensory experiences that have failed to be mentalized. Whereas in hysterical conversion, psychic stimulation induced by conflict is repressed, that's to say banished to expression in the physical organic symptom. In either case, Freud cited a psychical insufficiency as a consequence of which abnormal somatic processes arise. He suggested that in both, instead of a psychical working over of the excitation, a deflection of it occurs into the somatic field. So the distinction Freud makes here is paramount importance in that hysterical conversion is seen by him as a subtype of repression in which the organic symptom is a physical representation of a psychic transformation, while the organic symptom of anxiety neurosis is understood as a direct expression of unmentalized somatosensory excitation. If we think about actual neurosis, for example, as post-traumatic stress disorder, where the trauma causes such an effect that the older body is experiencing the symptoms of the psychical trauma, maybe it could be better understood. Although Freud uh, theorized a lot about the uh, psychic connections for the somatic symptoms, he decided to set aside to give up uh, deliberately the psychosomatic investigation but it was conversely uh, of great interest to numerous authors from the beginnings of psychoanalysis. Uh, I can mention Shandor Ferranzi, Georg Grodek, or Franz Alexander in the following generation. So subsequently, several schools of thought developed an interest in psychosomatics. For example, in France, the work of authors of the Paris School of uh, Psychosomatics Pierre Marty, Michel Fan, Michel de Mouzin, and Christian David had a substantial impact and led Marty to put forward a general model of psychosomatic functioning, for example. And for the Paris School of Psychosomatics, according to Michel de Mouzin, uh, he has this famous dictum, uh, the somatic symptom is stupid. And this is understandable when we think about what Freud said about actual neurosis, how it was beyond uh, symbolization uh, and therefore it could not be worked upon uh, by psychoanalysis. Conversely, <clears throat> Joyce MacDougall, uh, influenced by both the, uh, Winnicott and Jacques Lacan, develops the notion of archaic hysteria for her, the somatic symptom does have a meaning, but it pertains to psychic survival rather than sexuality. So there is no conflict uh, with the sexual drives or as in the case in hysteria. So in line of thought of the founders of the Paris School, uh, Maria Eisenstein and Claude Smadia, reformulate Marty's theory in the context of Freud's late drive theory. So speaking very generally and crudely, 
it could be said that Paris School of Psychosomatics uh, is uh, really Freudian. And Jacques Pré, engaging with Winnicott's work, volunteers this hypothesis that somatization could occur in place of a Minnicottian breakdown, if you remember Winnicott's paper on fear of breakdown. In contrast with these theses, a series of studies from the Kleinian school couch their hypothesis of organic symbolism as much more radical, somatic illness accords with a projection of primitive fantasies into the body. So especially when we think about the paranoid schizoid position uh, theorized by Klein, all the persecution, all the hatred and rage is in a way deflected into the soma or the body. So lastly, the German School of Psychosomatics has a long history, starting from the beginning of 19th century. And Alexander Michalich is an important figure who developed his work during the years following the Second World War. And according to Michalich's uh, view, somatic illness results from repression in two phases, uh, from the conscious to the unconscious, and from the unconscious to the soma. So during the last 30 years, however, psychosomatic research in Germany has shifted from psychoanalysis, uh, although there has been a certain renewal of interest in psychoanalytical psychosomatics in recent years, for example, in the work of Joachim Kuhenhoff. I think it is important to understand uh, Winnicott's theorization about psychosoma to further understand psychosomatics. Uh, the integration of mind and body is described by Winnicott as a psychosomatic collusion. He also refers to the psyche indwelling in the soma. And the psyche indwelling in the soma describes the successful outcome of the process of personalization that occurs as a result of the mother's handling of her infant during the holding phase. So personalization is the experience of psychical personhood dwelling in a physical body. And this is the time of absolute dependence when the healthy mother is in a state of primary maternal preoccupation. In Winnicott's work, the use of the word psyche is described as the imaginative elaboration of somatic parts, feelings, and functions, and is often synonymous with fantasy, inner reality, and self. If the mother has not been able to provide a good enough handling during the holding phase, then her baby may never feel at one within his body, and the mind-body split therefore occurs. So psychosomatic illness is a symptom of something having gone wrong in the individual's early emotional development, especially in this period called the holding phase. So Winnicott's original contribution to the nature of psychosomatics began with his 1949 paper, Mind and its Relation to the Psychosoma which was partly inspired, inspired by a comment by Ernst Jones in 1946 paper in which Jones writes, I do not think 
that the mind really exists as an entity. So Winnicott agrees, but adds that in his clinical practice, he notices that there are patients who feel that their mind is localized somewhere, as if it were a separate entity. So this is the result of mothers not being able to do her work, being good enough mother, and therefore psyche does not indwell into the soma, and the split occurs, which Winnicott calls mind. So Winnicott designates the word mind to describe an intellectual functioning that is akin to a dissociation in the individual who feels that his mind as an entity is not part of his sense of self. The mother who has not been able to provide good enough holding will cause a mind-body split in the infant. So psychosomatic illness, therefore, signifies a failure of the environment mother at the very beginning of emotional development. Later on in his work, Winnicott refers to this phenomenon as the split of intellect. So in this 1949 paper, Winnicott criticizes doctors who insist on only seeing the physical component of the patient and do not see that psychosomatic disorders are halfway between the mental and the physical. And he says the physical doctors are completely at sea in their theory. Curiously enough, they seem to be living out the importance of the physical body of which the brain is an integral part. And this scission or this split still goes on in the medical world. We still speak about body and mind as if they are two distinct uh, entities. Um, and when we think about psychotherapy, how it can influence neural circuits directly, of course, this split is an artificial one and, and is not correct. When Freud describes ego, he emphasized that the ego is first and foremost a bodily ego. So here, Bion's uh, idea about protomental uh, apparatus comes. Bion's idea of protomental apparatus is very close to what Freud said about body ego. So this protomental apparatus does not create mental representations of experiences, but instead perceives these experiences as bodily states to which it reacts with bodily states and actions on a visceral or motoric level. So these reactions are manifestations of proto-fantasies presented in a somatosensual mode as bodily sensations or sensory experiences devoid of meaning in the symbolic sense of the word. Uh, Bion's theory of functions uh, describes alpha as that function of the personality that, that works over these beta elements transforming them into alpha elements that have been given meaning and so are able to reside within the mental sphere. And beta elements are all the bodily sensations of an infant or in discomfort and it is mother's uh, duty or uh, action to take to get rid of all these beta elements in the baby because the baby or the infant has not such a function developed yet. So we can be on names this function of the mother alphabetization 
and alpha function may be said to be that function of the maternal object that provides the infant and perhaps even the fetus with the experience of a, a psychic skin. The overanxious mother may be impaired in her capacity for reverie. If she cannot receive her baby's communications, she may be internalized as an obstructive object, unwilling or unable to contain all the better elements of the infant. If she cannot digest what she receives from the infant, but is instead felt to add her own anxieties to so those already overwhelming the infant, then what uh, she hurriedly gives back to the baby will be suitable only for some hyperbolic form of discharge. Consequently, the baby will develop a precocious mind as an instrument for evacuating or encapsulating experience rather than as an instrument for thinking thoughts and taming all the better elements in future for himself and in that manner experiencing the somatic symptoms and cannot put them into perspective or symbolize them, uh, meaning that uh, in treatment cannot verbalize. Thank you for listening. For more content, subscribe to our podcast or find us on our YouTube channel. Psychoanalysis should be free.